If you'd like to uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 66, we're looking at the last, the last paragraph, if your Bible's written in paragraphs, the last paragraph of Isaiah. And we will be going next, by the way, for those who, who follow such things, into the Gospel of Matthew. So Isaiah chapter 66, verses 22 through 24. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your descendants and your name endure. It shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath. All mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they will go out and look at the corpses of the people who have rebelled against me. For their worm will not die and their fire will not be extinguished and they will be an abhorrence to all mankind. And you go, ick, what an icky ending to the book of Isaiah. And, and yeah, but it's not accidental. <laughs> it's not accidental that God ended with that. And I, I almost made this a message just on hell because that's where we find ourselves. But I thought, you know, just before that, we have the new earth and the new heavens, and, and let's do heaven and hell. Now, just so you know, heaven and hell are controversial subjects, and, and a lot of people don't know what to do with them. Just so happens I have got definitive results that will answer your questions. Uh, maybe. Uh, this is, uh, and this is recent. This is from the Pew Research Center. It's a poll that was posted November 23rd of 2021. So this is, is relatively brand new in the sense of polls and information that goes out. And it turns out that, that uh, odds are heaven and hell are real. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, and this thing is broken down in all sorts of categories. What's really interesting is that more people believe in heaven than believe in hell. Uh, and people feel comfortable to say, yeah, I believe in heaven, but not hell. And so if you look at all adults in the United States, just a broad category, and they take everyone who's an adult, 18 and older, 73% believe in heaven, 62% believe in hell. Okay? Among Christians uh, of all categories, 92% believe in heaven, and 79% believe in hell. And, and I can understand at least Christians who don't believe in hell. I don't understand Christians who don't believe in heaven. It's a little bit baffling for me. Protestants, 93% believe in heaven, 84% believe in hell. Evangelical, which would be our category, 96 believe in heaven, uh, percent, 91% percent believe in hell. Mainline, it drops, 88% believe in heaven and 69% believe in hell. Black churches do better than white churches. Black churches, 93% believe in heaven, 69% believe in hell. Catholics, 90% believe in heaven, 74% believe in hell. Then they have white Catholic versus Hispanic Catholic. Hispanic Catholics do better than white Catholics. I say better, I'm giving away my bias, am I not? Uh, <laughs> then you get to unaffiliated. Uh, and, and, and so under unaffiliated, they have three categories, atheist, agnostic, and a category called nothing in particular. And I've never seen that on a religious survey, you know, uh, uh, Christian, atheist, whatever. I've never seen nothing in particular, but, but they have this category called nothing in particular. Of, of, of the unaffiliated, 3% of atheists believe in heaven. And 1% believe in hell. And I'm going, do you understand what an atheist is? Uh, <laughs> agnostics, nothing in particular, 50% believe in heaven and 39% believe in hell. Men are less biblical than women. Sorry about that, guys. 68% of men believe in heaven, 59 in hell. 78% of women believe in heaven, 65 in hell. Uh, by age, it's, it's not exactly the older you get, the more you believe. Uh, ages 18 through 29, you have 63% believe in heaven. Uh, 30 through 49, 69% believe in heaven. 50 to 64, 
Uh, 81% believe in heaven, but when you get 65 and over, it starts dropping, and, and you have 79. So I just want you to know, in case you were wondering, I'm 63. In two years, I start believing less. So. <laughs> Sorry, I can't, you can't fight statistics. Uh, Republicans, more heaven and hell than Democrats. Uh, blacks, blacks non-Hispanic, more heaven and hell than whites or Hispanics. By division of the country, Northeast, 68% believe in heaven. Midwest, 79% believe in heaven. South, 77% believe in heaven. That'd be the Bible Belt. And the lowest group of all is the West, 65% believe in heaven. I slipped to just heaven. In no category in any way do more people believe in hell than heaven. Everybody believes more in heaven than in hell. And, and, and now that you have the answers, you can do what you want with them. <laughs> uh, because the poll means nothing. Yeah, there's one vote that counts. And he's given us his answer, right? Uh, so, uh, that's it, I gotta get past my notes here. Uh, we have a better source. God teaches us that there is both a heaven and a hell. Uh, and, and so today what we're going to look at is our eternal destination. It is heaven or hell. And, and we're going to look at that we have two choices. It is our choice. Uh, we have to make our choice between them. Uh, and, and what to do if you don't like. The reason people don't believe in hell, by the way, I'll just give you up, up the, the, the heads up front right answer, is because they don't want to. They don't like it. And, and, and we'll, we'll look at that. Okay, but I want to tell you, first of all, there's only two destinations. And here we are in our passage in Isaiah. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your descendants and your name endure. And it shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they will go out and look at the corpses of the people who have rebelled against me, for their worm will not die and their fire will not be extinguished, and they will be an abhorrence to all mankind. And, and he presents to us here both. He presents a place of life and a place of death. And, and like I said, my first thought about this was the final word is on hell, and I thought I would, would do that. But, but then I looked at it again, and I thought they're both there, and he's making a contrast. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's maybe not the most honest thing to do to preach just one or the other when you find both of them there. Because the clear truth is the Bible teaches both. Verse 22, he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, uh, and they will endure before him, says the Lord. The, the current earth and heaven are not going to endure. They're going to be rolled up like a scroll. They're going to be, be, be disappeared. P P Peter tells us in 2 Peter, it's going to burn up like a, the, the elements will melt in flame. Uh, it, you know, everything is going to be gone. The current heaven and earth will not endure, but he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth that will endure. And we look at verse 23, and it will be a place of worship. Worship. All mankind will come and bow down before him, says the Lord. And it doesn't mean we're going to come down and hate it. We're going to bow down again. We're going to come down, come willingly, looking for the opportunity to be there. And then we get to verse 24, and we have this place of punishment. And the Bible gives two clear destinations. Uh, you will go to one, or you will go to the other. And, and, and I thought about this, and I, I started wondering, how many other places, and I, and I didn't do an exhaustive search because it's exhausting, <laughs> uh, but I started thinking about passages I thought of, that I knew of that taught about he hell, and I, and I started thinking about them. I started, finding, I started realizing a pattern. At least I, I have here one, two, three, four, five, six other passages that talk about hell and also talk about heaven, okay? So uh, I'm jumping to the New Testament for all of these, Matthew chapter 25. 
Matthew chapters 24 and 25 are the passages in the Gospel of Matthew that talk about the future, uh, the coming judgment, the end of the world, all those kinds of things. And Matthew 25, 46 came to my mind because it's in a, an old tried and true Awana verse. I don't know if they, I don't think they do it anymore, but it used to be one of the classic Awana verses that you always learned. Uh, and uh, so Matthew 25, 46 is, is just, it's just in one verse. It's so short and so simple. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Uh, these shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal is the way, the way I learned it. And, and it's just a contrast. He's giving a contrast. God is not saying the bad will go to hell and a story. He's giving us a contrast. And why is he doing that? Because he wants to show us we have a choice. God does not teach us just dry doctrine. You know, we can take doctrine and we can make it really dry. Here's the truth, here's the truth, here's the truth, here's the truth. Like it or lump it, you know, can't do anything about it. And we can do that if we want. And, and we, would, we would be speaking correct, correctness. We would be speaking truth. But, but God does not do that. He does not speak a truth just for the sake of speaking a truth or just to teach us a piece of knowledge, but to help us to know and to understand. And we, we start finding this pattern. When he teaches about hell, he teaches about heaven too. When he teaches about heaven, he teaches about hell. You have a choice. It is your choice that will land you where you land. It's not his, it's yours. You have a choice. The righteous will go, or these will go into everlasting punishment, speaking of the sinners, but the righteous into life eternal. So we jump ahead to Mark chapter 9, and Mark 9 is where Jesus quotes Isaiah 66 and applies Isaiah 66. And uh, he takes it a little bit farther than Isaiah took it. And he's teaching us, we, we have to go back far enough to verse 41 prior to any of what he says about hell to see anything about reward. And the reward side isn't real strong, but it's at the same time, it's really strong. For whoever gives you, verse 41 of Mark 9, for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. The smallest thing you do in Jesus' name will gain reward. It will not be lost. Now, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, uh, do you necessarily remember every cup of water you might have given to somebody who was thirsty? You know, uh, you know I, maybe I did. I don't, I don't know. I probably have. <laughs> you know, maybe I haven't. But, it's, but he's making that point. The smallest good thing you do will not lose its reward. He's talking about the reward there. But then he goes on to the other side of the coin. And it's, we have several verses now. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it is better for him if a heavy millstone is hung around his neck and he is thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to having two hands go to hell to, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot is causing you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life without a foot than having your two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye is causing you to sin, throw it away. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not extinguished or quenched. And so Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching that, that uh, the, rewards for, the reward is eternal, and the punishment is eternal too. You have two choices. You're going to go to one. You're going to go to the other. The, the reward will not be lost, and the fire that will not be quenched. Those are the two options that he's teaching. And he's teaching two options. And why is he teaching two options? Because they are options. It's like they're pretty obvious options. It's kind of dumb to make the wrong choice on this one, uh, but people do all the time. Luke chapter 16, 
is, is one, of the, one of the most valuable and one of the most troubling passages, speaking of heaven and hell. It's, it doesn't seem to be speaking of heaven and hell. It seems to be speaking of a place of judgment prior to uh, Jesus opening the gates uh, with his death and resurrection. Uh, something's different, but at the same time, it teaches us some very specific things. Uh, starting at verse 25, um, well, I'll read just verse 25. You have, you have Lazarus, the poor guy, who, who is, has died and gone to Abraham's bosom. You have the rich man who is in torment in the flames. And in verse 25, Abraham says, Child, remember that during your life, he's speaking to the rich man who is in torment, Remember that during your life you received your good things and Lazarus bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And we have that distinction between the two. Lazarus is receiving his good things and the rich man is in agony. And, and, and the whole point is, you, well, I shouldn't say the whole point. There's a lot of truth in this. One of the main ta- t- things being taught in here is there is no escape. The rich man is trying to find some way out of it, even if, even temporary, even, even if he can do something for someone else. Uh, he's trying to find some way out of it, and there is no escape in, in what he is going through. Lazarus has received his good things, and the rich man is in agony. Philippians 1.28 isn't normally thought of as a, a heaven and hell kind of passage, but I thought about it as I was, was thinking through these things, and it, it kind of popped into mind, and I checked it out, and I decided it will... It will do. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Paul is speaking to his friends in the Philippian church, and he's talking to them about holding forth their testimony, not wavering, not becoming afraid and, and backing off. And he says, And in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. Uh, and this from God. So he says this, your, your faithfulness is a sign to, to them that you will be saved and they will be destroyed. And it is a powerful message of two destinations. And we want them to know that because we want them to be delivered from that bad choice, but it's destruction or salvation. Uh, I have one more. I have two more here. Second Thessalonians, just a couple pages to the right. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And this one's a little bit longer. The Thessalonians were a brand new baby church suffering persecution. And Paul is letting them know that what they're going through is worth it. The struggles they're facing are worth it. And those people who are persecuting them and causing them the suffering will not go unpunished for that. So starting at verse 5, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. In fact, let me jump from that to verse 10. When he comes to be glorified among his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed, and he starts and ends this section with talking about the reward, with talking about the blessing. And in the middle of it, he talks about the punishment. So back to verse 6. For after all, it is only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These people will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So these people will pay the the penalty. It's called eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Rewards for the saints, 
both at the start and the end, punishment for the, the lost in the middle. And, and again, the contrast is, and you start saying, wow, I never, yeah, if you're like me, I never realized he presented the two together like that so consistently. I, I was kind of surprised. I'm thinking, I should, I'm supposed to know this stuff. Right? I've been preaching for over 30 years. I'm supposed to just know everything, am I not? <laughs> and I keep finding out I don't. I keep learning things. <laughs> and this is one of them, that these two are always presented together. And, and, I, and that just feels very powerful to me. It feels very powerful to me. We have a choice, and we are responsible for the choice. Okay, But we're not done. Revelation chapter 21. This is, not the, or this is the last one of them that we're going to look at. Uh, makes sense, Revelation 21, we're at the back of the book. There's one more chapter in Revelation. And I'm going to read chapter 1, or verse 1 through 8. We're back to the new heaven and the new earth, the same thing we read about in Isaiah 66. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and he, God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And we have this wonderful passage describing heaven for we keep going and he who sits on the throne says behold I am making all things new and he said right for these words are faithful and true then he said it is done I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end I will give water to the one who thirsts and from the spring of water without cost the one who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son and we have this fantastic promise uh, of eternity with him and then he adds this but for the cowardly and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and sexually immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we find something. It's not unusual at all for God to combine the teaching of heaven and of hell, to teach those two things side by side with each other. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. It's, this is full disclosure. God, is, God does not hide things from us. God reveals things from us. If, if there's something God hides from us, it's not something important for us to know. Uh, it, it, if he reveals it for us, it's, it's because we need to know. And God is not hiding anything or making us wonder. He is clearly and repeatedly presenting the same truth. You get either heaven or hell. And there are no other options. You don't get to choose what those destinations are, but you get to choose which destination is yours, right? And, and you go, I can go to heaven or I can go to hell. Which one do I think I want to choose? And if you have any brains at all, you're going to say heaven. I want to go to heaven. Okay, the choice is up to you. Now, most of you have clearly made that choice. That's why you're here. Okay, it's entirely possible some have not. You know, just like when I read those statistics and we go, and, and you go, 91% of evangelicals believe in, in heaven. And uh, let's see, no, 96% believe in heaven, 91% in hell. You go, what do the other four believe? And why do they believe that? I mean, why would you... If there's no heaven or hell, why do I even care? I mean, at that point, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Uh, and, and, and I don't understand that. So, but the point being is that there are people who defy the odds. <laughs> there are people who do things that don't 
always make sense to some of the rest. Some of you, some of you don't make sense to us. <laughs> you say, and also with you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of you may be thinking real seriously right now about that choice and saying, maybe I do need to make a choice. Some of you may be trying to put it off right now, trying to continue putting it off, as if it's something that you want to put off. You know, really interesting thing, one of the most important people in Christian history is, is a guy named Constantine, right? Constantinople is named for him. He was, he was one of the Caesars, and he is the one who brought, made Christianity, stopped the persecution of Christians by the Roman government. He came and he came in and he had a dream and he saw a cross, red cross floating in the air, had all his soldiers put the sign of the cross on their, their shield, said in this name, in this sign you will win victory. They went and they won the victory and he came in and he became Caesar. And he, he uh, made Christianity, you can say legitimate, eventually it became the state religion uh, it wasn't an immediate thing, but it was all going back to him. Do you know what this guy did? He waited as long as he felt it was safe to get baptized. And by me, I mean as long as he felt waited to say he waited. He waited decades till he was getting older. And when he started thinking, I might, started thinking I might die soon. Now I'll get baptized. It's because he felt that until he was baptized, he could still sin. But once he got baptized, he couldn't. And you go. I'm not sure what I think about this guy. You know, I, it's like, is this guy going to be in heaven or not? It, at the very best, he had terrible theology. <laughs> you know, at the very best, he did not understand any of that. Uh, his actual question is, is his salvation is questionable. But you need to understand something. Not deciding is a decision. Not deciding puts you on one side of the fence. It doesn't leave you straddling the fence where you can quickly duck one way or the other. Uh, you, are, you are not straddling the fence because you start out on one side of the fence. You don't start out in some kind of, 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 of no man's land. You don't start out in neutral territory. You are a sinner. David said, from birth I was a sinner. We were born with this sin nature. And, and no one is waiting for you to make a decision of good or evil because you are already on the evil side. The devil is not waiting in Georgia for you to come down with your fiddle and challenge him to a contest for your soul, right? He's not waiting for He doesn't need to do that. Why would he do that? He's already got you if that's what you think it's going to take. Uh, you, you start out on the wrong side. You don't have to choose evil. You're already there until you choose Christ. Not deciding does not mean your decision has not been made. You made your decision when you sinned uh, and you chose Adam. And, and, and it's not like God is sitting up there saying, well, he hasn't made a choice. I don't know what to do with him. Right? God knows what to do with you. He, 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 he sees where you are apparently much more clearly than you do because you think you're on the fence and he's stuck. Right? You still have time. Most people uh, who do not decide do so because they think they're not that bad. They, th they actually think they are still on the fence. They think they are still in no man's land somehow undecided. Or maybe that they, they've done enough good that they've kind of crept over onto the good side of the fence. Without actually coming to Christ, they, they've been good enough and, and done enough good to, to kind of get over there and sneak that way. Have you ever been around someone who had serious BO and didn't know it? 
I want to ask for a testimony. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know, I was up here with with these kids. I got hot. (laughs) You shouldn't do that with a tie on. It's so hard to do it anyway. Uh, (laughs) Tie traps heat, in case you didn't know that. Now you know. Uh, Yeah. So so you're around this guy with B.O., and he doesn't know he has B.O. And so he acts like he's just fine. Right? He thinks he doesn't have a problem because I, I think I was raised, my parents were heavy cigarette smokers, right? Which means I grew up in a cloud of cigarette smoke. I did not realize until sometime after I was an adult that when I went to other people's homes, I smelled like cigarette smoke. I had no idea because I grew up in it. It was all I knew. And if anyone says, Do you smell funny? No, I don't smell funny. I had no idea I smelled funny. I thought I smelled fine. And in my house, I did, <laughs> in our, our standards that we had there. But I had terror. You know, I'm, I, just as a favor to me, if I'm ever around you and I have serious B.O., <laughs> Jonah says, uh, Steve, <laughs> please tell me. Tell me, because I actually want to know, because I am terrible at judging myself, Right? I, I'm, not, I'm not good at being able to judge my own body odor because I'm a, I live in it and it's what I have. Now, if I'm not cutting wood, John, don't tell me. I already know. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. But, but, uh, but if I'm out there and I don't know, let me know so I can do something about it because I am no good at judging my own B.O. Now, think about that. If I am no good at judging my body odor, am I good at judging how sinful I am? Am I, am I good enough to say, no, I'm fine, I'm happy with myself? Because the answer is, is no, you're not. You do not have, you, you, this is what you live in. You do not have the ability to judge yourself well. You are not the one who can do that. It's just, it's, it, 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 and unless this BO illustration doesn't work with you and you're not clicking you, I don't get it, right? That, that, then that you may still walk away thinking, well, I still think I'm not that bad. But if the BO illustration clicks at all, right, then, then you should recognize you are not able to judge yourself as sinless. You are not able to look at yourself and say, I'm not that bad. I I can't judge my B.O., but somehow I'm able to say my sin isn't bad. It it, it doesn't work. Okay? So if you don't choose, but you're convinced, you say, my sin isn't that bad, so I'm not going to do this whole Jesus thing because I don't think I need to. I think you're wrong, preacher. I don't have to do it. Well, let me tell you what you get. So happens, my Bible is still open to Revelation 21. Right? Haven't flipped the page from there. I'm going to go back. Actually, I don't have to go back any pages. I'm going to go back a chapter, half a chapter. If you say, no, I'm good enough, I'm going to be judged by my works, here's what happens when you're judged by your works. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. Right? You say, I'm good enough. I can be judged according to my deeds. Okay, that's what it says. You will get exactly what you think you want. You will be judged by your deeds. It says so right here. Your your name is in the book of life, or you're judged by your deeds. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to their deeds. 
Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. You go, well, you still haven't said how I got judged. I still think I'm going to come out okay. Wait, there's one more verse. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire. Every, every single person who is judged by their deeds ends up in the lake of fire. No exceptions. There's two destinations. Two destinations, heaven or hell. And if you don't choose Jesus Christ for heaven, then you have chosen to be judged by your deeds, and your deeds will leave you coming up short. It's, it's too late. Your judgment about whether your sin is bad enough makes no difference whatsoever. It's God's judgment that counts, and he's already told you how he's going to judge. He's already told you that. Okay, now you say, well, wait a minute, though, preacher. You just read that list a few minutes ago, right? I read that list. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. That's interesting, all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. You say, preacher, man, it's too late for me because I fit that category. I want to turn you to another passage that reads almost the same, but not quite. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting at verse 9. And, it, and it, by the way, it agrees with what we just read. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those habitually drunk, nor verbal, as, verbal abusers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's not, the, it's not a carbon copy of the list, but it's close enough to get the idea. It's, it's, he's saying the same things. And then we get verse 11. Such were some of you. Right. Mike, you're probably not wearing that wretch shirt today, are you? <laughs> Mike... Uh, Mike's got a shirt that's, is, is that what says, I am that wretch? Is, or how, I am the wretch. I am the wretch. You know, this, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the sit that saved a wretch like me. And, and, and yes, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of, of our God. And if you look at that list of people who cannot make it to heaven, Understand, that's good news if you say, I'm that guy, because that means you know you cannot get to heaven, which means you know you need someone to help you, which means it's exactly what Jesus Christ does. And he takes people who cannot go to heaven, and he saves them and takes them to heaven. Jesus Christ does that. Eternal life is a gift that God gives freely. Choose Christ, and you choose your destination of heaven. And, and, and if by some chance there's someone in here who, who is here on Memorial Day weekend going to church, God bless you, <laughs> uh, and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, absolutely, you are eligible. You are qualified. Jesus Christ died to save sinners. But I want to come back to this idea of not liking hell. What if I don't like it? What if you don't like the whole concept of hell? It, it, it's okay. It's okay if you don't like it. If you did like it, I would say there's probably something wrong with you. Right? I mean, does that... Sound, who likes the thought of hell? 
I would wonder what happened to you in your childhood, <laughs> you know, to make you someone who would like hell. But recognize that your feelings about hell will not make it go away. I don't like gray hair. <laughs> I know I could do something about it, but you'd all look and say, Steve, <laughs> who do you think you're kidding? <laughs> if we only acknowledge the reality of things we liked, would it make a difference? Right? You know what? When I woke up in the morning, I didn't feel any pain that I'll admit to. Uh, I, I'm not short. That's one of the things I love about getting the kids up here to sing. <laughs> did, did, did I look half tall? Is I <laughs> yeah, and sailors getting pushing it too. It's just not right. <laughs> yeah, you know, we used to do that to my grandma. We used to walk up and run up and measure ourselves against her. She was four foot nine, you know? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, that, and, I'm, and, and now I'm the one that people measure themselves against. <laughs> oh, terrible thing. Anyhow, but, but, but I'm not going to acknowledge it, so it's not true. Not, not acknowledging it doesn't change a blessed thing, does it? The truth is the truth is the truth, and whether we want to acknowledge it and admit it or not does not make a thing about it. If we only acknowledge... Uh, what we want to, if we only believe is true, what we want to believe is true, there's a word for that. We're delusional. We are self-deluded and, and believing in what is not true. But what do you do about something when, when, you, when there is something that you don't like? See, one of the nice things about seeing something that you don't like but that is true is that you do something about it, right? You wake up, you have a headache. You say, I don't like this headache. I think I'll do something about it. And you go and you pop a couple of aspirin or Tylenol or whatever it is you take for your headache, Excedrin PM, <laughs> or you know something that you know, and you do something because you don't like the headache, so you do something about it, right? You come out and your tire is flat. You don't like a tire flat tire. You do something about it. I don't care what you do. You do something. You don't drive off on it, please. Uh, you, know, you 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 know pick 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 what you what it is you don't like. You don't like it. You do something about it. There is something really good about seeing something you don't like because it causes you to do something about it. What if it is hell, and you find out that hell is real, and you say, well, I don't like that. Well, then do something about it. And, 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 and for yourself, the answer is really easy, choose Christ. But, but typically, when someone tells me, or, or, or is talking about this, and they talk about, uh, I don't like hell, they start talking about the people who haven't heard, and the people who don't know. And, and, and there is a really, really good answer for those people. It's found in Romans chapter 10. You're welcome, John. So, <laughs> Romans 10. Romans is John's book, in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Romans 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. Awesome statement. But what about those who haven't heard? Verses 14 through 15. How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without a preacher? How are they to preach unless they are sent? Now there is a problem and there is a solution, is there not? Send. Pastor Daniel's ministry, he has around his thing, send or go. 
or maybe it's go or send. <laughs> either, either be going as a missionary or sending missionaries to those people who have not heard. There, there, there are people out there. You don't like it? You don't like it that what the, the, the faith to those who never, who don't hear? Then do something about it. He tells us right there what we can do about it. We can send. We can go. How, and it ends with this statement, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. It's, that's the Bible's answer to that question of, of not liking hell. Make sure they know. Make sure they hear. Okay? So I'm going to close. Let me close this way. Uh, lay before you there's a way of life and a way of death. Make sure, for, I mean, first, for those who have not heard, do, it, do what you can, what is in your power and ability to make sure they do hear. But for yourself, choose, I'm gonna, let me read Deuteronomy. I'm going to read a passage. I was taught you're not supposed to uh, close with something new. But every now and then you have to do what you're told not to do. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verses 11 through 20. For this commandment which I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it far away. It is not in heaven that you could say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it, and uh, for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you could say, who will cross the sea for us and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. On the contrary, the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart and you may follow it. See, I have placed before you today life and happiness and death and adversity, in that I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, so that you may live and become numerous, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but allow yourself to be led astray to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will certainly perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and take possession of it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have placed before you life and death, blessing and curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding close to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, so that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Father God, I ask for each of us today that we choose life, that we have chosen life, that we spread life. Father, if there is anyone here today who has not trusted you as your Savior, I just ask that you would, would show them their need for you, that they would respond in faith. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.